I'm Linda van Tolberg for Biz News, and I've got Anne Rutledge, the Executive Director of Talent Solutions at Resorgenics with me. Hi, Anne. How are you? Hi, Linda. How are you? All good. We're going to talk about the future of work, and boy, has it changed. First of all, can we start with this, how different generations are treating the new workplace, the new way of work? What is the impact of this generational differences on workplace dynamics? Well, we've definitely seen over the last two years the Generation Z coming into the workplace, which has definitely added a very different dynamic to the workplace. You're talking about a generation who has a grown up with an online presence, has been involved in social media most of all of their lives, and they're forever on. Um, so their expectations of what they want in the workplace is obviously very different to to the you know the different generations that you've got, and trying to kind of work that dynamic together to get them all get all the different generations to work together can become very challenging for managers and for leaders uh, to be able to do that uh, but in saying that they also bring a different dimension into into the workplace now as well where they're looking for you know things that are quicker and faster and I mean they've been using AI tools um, most of their lives they've been using all this digital tools most of their lives so they look for opportunities and organizations that help them to develop those tools and, and those skills. And they're also a generation that, you know, wants to learn and wants to grow. They they understand that they need to learn and they need to grow and they look for those kind of things from their employers and from, from the organizations that they join as well. So I think the older uh, generation now having these people coming into their organization has had to look at different ways of how they engage them, how they motivate them, how they retain them as well, you know, to keep them within the organization, especially with the top skills and the scare skills that you're looking for as well. Yeah, because they tend to job up more. Most of us, we work for a long time in one organization, but they have a total different attitude, don't they? Yeah. So, I mean, they see it as I'm developing my skills. So we're, uh, you know, the older generation looked at it from a not so much loyalty, but they felt that they could grow within the organization. From a from their from the Gen Z generation, they want to be able to grow and learn new skills all the time. Um, so for them, because of their they've always been involved in this very fast paced digital world, if they feel that they're stagnating in terms of those skills, that's when they're going to look for something else. And it's not just about um, I want to say promotions or things like that for them. Yes, they are ambitious, and yes, they want to move up, but they also understand the importance of of learning different skills and being able to upskill themselves and looking at linear type of movements where it keeps them engaged and they're able to hone in on different skills and build on their skills network, if I can put it that way, um, to be able to look at those interesting projects that they can work on. So what strategies or initiatives can a company take to ensure that they promote collaboration um, in, and synergy between these different generations? So it's important that companies understand, firstly, you know, what generations they've got in their workforce and, you know, what are the things that drives each of them. And I think from a Gen Z perspective, I mean, we know that by, you know, 2030, uh, even 2035, we're going to have a lot of those individuals within our organization. So we need to be able to retain them. And it's important that they give that ability to collaborate with them from a mentorship perspective, you know, creating those mentorship programs with the older generation to try and um, help them with understanding the different projects, understanding the different company 
company dynamics, all of those kind of things to hone in on not so much their their hardcore skills, but also their soft skills, being able to build up things for them, such as, you know, how do you do problem solving? How do you collaborate with other individuals? How do you put your uh, message across? How do you look at, um, you know, your your emotional EQ, your um, customer service orientation, all of those sort of softer skills that perhaps they haven't been able to develop quite extensively as yet. So helping them to, to develop those skills is important. And then it's also important that companies understand that they need to provide learning opportunities for them and growth opportunities. And I'm not saying that every single company must have a whole bunch of courses that they must send people on. But give them opportunities to work in different projects with different teams and you might be surprised about what type of skills they can bring to the table and what they can actually offer which might not necessarily be within their realm of their job profile if i could put it that way but it's more suited to the type of skill that they've got well if we look at the whole debate about back to office hybrid um totally remote how do the different generations approach that and what should companies do to, to ease, like young people might think, but why can't I sit in my trackies at home and work where the older generation might say, no, back to the job yeah. five days a week? It is definitely a, a dilemma um, that a lot of organizations are facing at the moment. And, and yes, the younger generation, the Gen Zs, prefer the remote working opportunities. It's what they've been used to, you know, coming in from the pandemic as well. That really drove that whole remote working for them. And they do see the benefits from it. But it's understanding that without, we are social people at the end of the day. Uh, we need that collaboration with people. And when you isolate it away from them, you lose out on certain skills that you're able to hone in on and develop. So what we found, and a lot of companies are doing that, is offering them, yes, a hybrid sort of model that allows them to come into the office for specific uh, meetings for specific collaboration, but it's more of a flexibility type of model as well. So it's not about I need to do my day-to-day -day job in the office, even if it is a hybrid model, but it's about I could come into the office to collaborate, come into the office for team building exercises, come into the office for meetings, you know, those kind of things that requires a group together, that requires sitting with other individuals. And in that way, you're still offering them the flexibility. You're still giving them that autonomy that they want, but you're honing in on bringing them more um, into your organization, getting them to collaborate more with your the colleagues, um, and really building that culture within the team that, yes, you've got flexibility, and yes, you've got autonomy, and you are responsible for your, your work, but you've got a bigger organization that can help you with the problem that you need to solve or a project that you need to work on and come in and collaborate with them. Well, when you look at many of the big cities in the world, you know, big banks who used to have, say, in London, three, four buildings suddenly have one now. So how should this physical space of this new back-to-office or hybrid, how should that be managed by companies? Um, we see uh, quite a bit, even, um, you know, with organizations here as well and some of the larger corporates where they are redesigning their workspace to make it at a more collaborative type of workplace, a more, um, not I mean, it's always been a drive of an open plan kind of thing, but it's more about having areas where people can connect with each other rather than a desk that you work at all the time. It's more about those connections and making those connections meaningful. So you're not coming into the office, you know, because you are 
forced to come into the office. You're coming into the office because there's an there's a need for it, maybe to discuss a future project, to strategize on a certain concept, to problem solve a certain concept as well, or perhaps you're coming in for some learning or training that you need to do. And, and through that, a lot of organizations have redesigned their workplace to include that and make it a more, not homely, but just more of a, a, a place where people can sit together and really connect in a, in a different way rather than just about work, work, work all the time and just do your day-to-day stuff. I was speaking to younger people, how do they feel about the open office? And they like that. But some of the companies I know, that some of the young people suggested pods where they can have a little bit of time on their own. Well, if you go into some of these really large corporates and you have a look, they do have little mini pods where you can go and have a personal phone call that you want to make, where you just need to get away from people. I mean, there is a lot of um, the Gen Z that sometimes do get overwhelmed when there's a lot of people around them. So they do need that little bit of a break to go away. So having these little chill areas where they can just go and relax or do something separately is something that they look at as well. I mean, within our organization as well, we've also got little sections where you can just be by yourself and have a little bit of time out. Uh, it doesn't mean that you, you're not connecting with everybody, but it just gives you that opportunity to have that little space away. And I think um, maybe in some organizations, I've even heard of people taking little power naps, but I don't know if we're there yet. <laughs> I, I know the big tech companies they have these places where you can take to that. Yeah, I don't know if South Africa is quite there yet, but um, having those little pods and things where you could just work or, you know, have a quick meeting with somebody or a client or something like that, you're able to do that. And then it's this new concept of boundaryless assignments, which is basically the nomad. So how, yeah, how do you define that and how should companies deal with it? It's a very difficult one because in a, in a world where we are lacking in terms of skills and people wanting more flexibility, which makes it hard to find skills that are, are urgently needed, you've got to look at other ways that people want to do it. So the boundaryless assignments is more about you know, being able to work from anywhere, being able to maybe do multiple different types of roles or different types of gigs, you know, but from anywhere that you want to. And you do find that a lot of the Gen Zs are doing that. Um, and they're coming up with different roles that, you know, and different jobs that we didn't think was possible. Uh, you know, social influencers and, you know, different media type of um, strategy and things like that and marketing and all of that, that they're able to do remotely and be able to do it sort of boundaryless as well, which kind of contradicts everything I'm also saying. <laughs> I wanted to ask that. How do you collaborate? How do you handle this? It's difficult because at the end of the day, you know, you've still got to build up that connection with people. And if you think about, you know, people who do freelancing or multiple different types of roles and things like that, they've got to build up that customer service sort of orientation, how to sell themselves, how to, you know, influence, you know, in terms of what they're doing and, and provide those different skills. And a lot of them, yes, they, they're able to upskill themselves with little mini courses and things like that, but that comes with time. It's about working at it constantly, which I think that they do do very well. The Gen Zs do that very well. They enjoy the grow, the learning and they constantly want to learn. So, they set themselves up to be able to learn that. But in some some professions and in some skills, they do put themselves at a disadvantage by not being able to collaborate, 
with a generation that has been doing things for such a long time that they can learn from as well. And I mean, the older generation can learn from them too. So it's about passing those skills between the two generations. And, and the question I always hear is, but are you productive? Yeah. <laughs> so, so how do they prove they are productive? So productivity is, I think, in some ways can be very subjective. Because if, if I as an individual am giving my outcomes and I'm performing my outcomes and um, everything that I'm doing is there and I'm doing it at a good quality, what is it to mean that I'm not being productive? If I'm able to provide my outcomes within a less time than what somebody, you know, in four hours as opposed to an eight-hour day, it doesn't mean that I'm not being productive. I maybe understand how to do that quicker. I might have a smarter way to do it. So it's also about thinking, moving away from always going, how is your workforce being productive to more of an outcomes-based type of scenario? What outcome do you want from that person? And if they are meeting those outcomes, it doesn't mean that they're not being productive. What about the issue of data privacy? Because, um, you know, if you have all these people away, how do you, if you start recruiting people, like, you know, somebody yeah. in your organization, how do you ensure the privacy of the candidates? And also when they work, how do you ensure that? So uh, data privacy is a big one. And it's important that companies take it seriously because obviously we know that there can be cyber attacks and things like that as well. So it's really important that you know, that that is all very well protected within organizations and companies need to take responsibility for a lot of the data and ensuring that there's measures in place to protect the data. But I think from an individual as well as uh, the workforce or as even just as individuals, we also need to be aware of, you know, the, the dangers that are out there with regards to data privacy and phishing scams and all of those kind of things that come onto it as well. So it's about being more diligent in what you're putting out there and what information you are giving um, and being careful on that as well. And what a lot of organizations are doing now as well is providing a lot of training into how to understand what your date, what putting your data out there means. You know, where should you be giving your data, where you shouldn't be giving your data. So a lot of education and awareness around data privacy and making sure that you also protect your own personal data. So in terms of technology, what initiatives are you implementing to enhance the overall employee experience from onboarding to daily tasks? And how will this contribute to employee satisfaction and productivity, do you think? I think what, you, what we're going to see and, and going to see, you know, in the next coming years as well is, yes, digital um, has been there and there's a lot of things that has been digitized already. But we're organizations that are doing it very well is where they're able to automate and do those digital um, sort of journeys in terms of an onboarding process, but they still keep the human connection. And that's what you're going to see is, you know, there's this whole thing around uh, AI and automation taking away, you know, certain things, but it also means that there's more room for human connection. So what we find is that candidates want to have an experience where they're able to connect with people when they're coming into an organization. That's their first step into, be it also the interviews as well. It's their first step into the organization, understanding who they're going to work with, understanding the company culture, all of that. And yes, you can see that out of a video, but you can only experience it together with your colleagues, together with your employer. And being able to provide that that human element throughout their journey while they're being onboarded is important. So, I mean, even with within the recruitment industry, 
a lot of companies have gone with the AI automation and the AI screening. But with that, there's also a responsibility that it's not 100% always right. And you can't take away the human elements around it where you can have a conversation with a person. And that's what's important. It's the connection with humans and the connections with each other that builds a strong workforce and builds a company culture that you want to be successful to go forward and that will help your organization to be successful to go forward. Well, you mentioned AI and that's the word on everybody's lips now is AI. So uh, what new skills and competencies do you need, you know, uh, will be crucial for employees in 2024 to surf this wave of AI and technology advancements? So I think definitely honing in on analytical thinking, being able to problem solve, um, reason. It's important to be able to reason and problem solve around that as well. It's important to hone in on creativity skills. But all of that does tie in with AI as well because AI can spit out a lot of information for you. It can do a lot of things for you as well. But if you're not able to analyze and provide analytical thinking around it, if you're not able to problem solve what it's giving to you or what it's telling you, if you're not able to reason with the information that you're getting from there, it's not going to give you the outcomes that you really want. So yes, you can train it. Uh, I mean, there's a the whole thing about uh, um generative um, AI as well, where you can train things and, and, and get it up to speed, but you've still got to apply your your thinking behind it. You've still got to apply a certain amount of reasoning and intuition into it to be able to get the information that you need and to make it useful information that you can use. We are bombarded with huge amounts of data every single day coming from every different angle. How do you take those pieces of information and make it useful information that can drive your company forward, that can drive your career forward, that can help you with your day-to-day tasks. Um, And those are the kind of skills that are going to really help individuals if they're able to hone in on those more creative, analytical, reasoning type of skills. They are more likely to be able to navigate this new world of AI and how it's going to impact them. But you also said that you need soft skills. So apart from the fact that you need to, you know, understand AI and and how how to use it to get the right information that you're looking for, yeah, um, is a soft skill something you can actually teach people? Isn't it empathy basically? Soft skills is is an element of it is empathy, but it's also more than that. It's things like leadership skills, and you don't have to be a a leader of a team to to have leadership skills. You know, you can be, you know, just in within your own route, being able to be a leader and being able to put your your thoughts forward and your ideas forward in such a way that um, is is collaborative with the people and drives an organization in terms of their success. It's about emotional intelligence as well, your EQ, being able to understand how to interact with different people and how to bring out the best in different people to make a successful, being part of a successful team and also putting a successful team together. It's about customer service and how do you deal with different clients and different scenarios. So those soft skills, yes, they are mostly built into us as humans, but they can be developed in a way. If you aren't put into a team environment, you're not going to learn how to, if you've got any leadership skills. If you're not put into a team environment, you're not going to know what your 
how to kind of deal with different conflicts and how to reason those conflicts to be able to get the best outcome. So, so it is an element of teaching, if I can put it that way, but it's also an element of you're not going to be able to hone in on those skills, although softer skills, if you're not placed in that opportunity, you're not given an opportunity to try and develop them. So we've talked in the beginning about the different generations and how they handle these things. So when you start training people for AI and soft skills, is there a different approach for the different generations? Definitely there is. As with any individual as well, there's different learning styles that individuals have. The the younger generation or the Gen Zs, they very much a um, a, a generation that likes to have not a, a run-of-the-mill type of training. So for them, it's about make it real for me. What does it mean for me if I learn this skill? What does it mean for me if I learn this soft skill? And if you're providing them with real examples of where it's at, they learn it a lot easier. So for them, it's all about what is it here and what is it going to do for me? Well, as you know, the old, the, the generations before, before them was more about, I need to go classroom based or I need to study this and I need to study that, you know? So for them, it's about on the job, what does it mean for me and how do you do it? So when you're looking at training uh, and, and bringing in those training um, sort of programs, you've got to get a combination of everything. So it's a combination of a bit of classroom and interaction. It's a combination of um, interaction with colleagues. It's a combination of digital, you know, digital learning that they can learn at their own place and on the job sort of training as well. But they need to feel like they are being trained and that they are learning at the same time. So when you people approach Resogenics, what is the first question they normally ask? Are they are they worried about AI? Um, I wouldn't say that people are worried about AI. Um, I mean, within our organization, it's about actually what tools have you got in place that can help me to be more smarter in what I do? Not smarter, like, you know, being able to smartly do what my work needs to require. So they also see the benefits of having the AI there because it helps you so if you look at recruitment as an example, you know, in the past, you would have so many different roles that you're working with and you're going through all these CVs and you're screening them all the time. Now you can actually handle a little bit more than that because you're able to put in specific um, screening questions from an AI perspective to help you with those shortlists and to find those, those gems. Um, I mean, there's a lot of tools in place that look at skills rather than job titles for example because what you also found is you've got to look at more skills-based hiring because I might be in a particular role with a particular title but it doesn't mean that I don't have the skills to do something else you know within that role you could have so there's a lot of skills-based hiring that needs to happen as well um, and there's a lot of there's a big shift for organizations to move to a skills-based hiring rather than a job title hiring because skills is ultimately what drives the productivity, what drives the outcomes. So what, what do you find when people say if you are still at school and you want to think, oh, I need a career of the future, how should they think about that? It's difficult because, again, I mean, there's so many different roles and jobs that have come out over the last couple of years that we didn't even imagine before. So it, it really is difficult. But I think one good thing to tell people is look at what are your what are your what are you good at? What are those skills that you know you're good at? And then develop those skills to be able to provide 
skills in the workplace. And, you know, there's still the traditional, I want to be an accountant, I want to be a doctor, I want to be in IT, but that's very linear. You know, um, you, you've got to think outside of the box. You've got to think, you know, okay, I want to be a financial accountant, but what does that mean? Maybe, you know, there's different aspects to it. There's um, data analytics around it. So how do I hone in on my data analytics skills and how do I improve on that? So that's not just about, you know, that, that single single thinking of what your job you, you are going to be X. It's about what what is your skills that you have and how do you make them better to provide you with more opportunities to grow within an organization or to grow within your skills. Well, things are changed so far, so we'll we'll keep an eye on that with Anne Rutledge from Research Enix. Thanks so much, Anne, for speaking to us. Thank you very much.